1: Welcome to the Boneyard with Steve Robertson. As always, I am your good friend and host, Steve Robertson. Guys, it's the last week that we don't have SEC football for a while. Let that sink in for a second. And for many of you, it may even give you a sense of panic because you realize you've let the summer get away from you without getting all the things you needed to get done. Kids are back in school now, which is still weird to me. Some of them have already been in school for almost a month, which is really weird to me. Uh, As a guy that uh, I remember, I guess it was my freshman year of high school, was the first time we didn't go back to school like after Labor Day. It's usually like that, you know, the Tuesday after Labor Day, you know, because I'm from the 1900s, as you guys uh, well know, that's well documented. But um, I remember we went to school, I believe it was August the 26th, my freshman year of high school. And I thought the parents were going to riot in the streets about us having to go back so early. I don't know why they. I, mean, I don't know why they were so upset about it. We're the ones that had to go, and it seemed like such a big deal to have those few extra days. or really kind of an extra week, but um, you know, maybe that's your issue. You know, it's like, well, I just don't like change, and as a person that um, is a- adverse to change in many respects. I'm a creature of routine, you know, I'm an addict, you know, it's not just something about what I put in my body, you know, I'm the kind of person, I, I like the orderly flow to things, but, uh, you know, maturity has taught us that, uh, you know, you got to be able to, to bob and weave, right, when when life brings a little change at you, but uh, I'm glad I'm not having to deal with that, and for those of you that are, have to get up earlier to bring your kids to school, enjoy those uh, fall breaks, I guess, but uh, nevertheless, here we are and that's the thing I think about you know the wife and I were talking about that this morning is uh you know she'll, she's almost done thank God and she'll be next month about five weeks from now we'll be done with the nursing profession hopefully forever nothing against nursing it's been great to us but uh you know we've got a new endeavor we're about to open up we've uh signed the lease and paid the uh deposit in the first month's rent oh my gosh it's one of those things right it's real now you know, got a lot of money committed to this already, but um, all that said, it's like, hey, she's coming home this week. I was at Knoxville last week, she'll be here this week uh, on Wednesday and be with me through the weekend. And I told her, I said, hey, the next time you come home, be getting ready to help cover a college football game. How cool is that? Yeah, so next week, we're gonna get ready to get together. Now, a couple things. Guys, from what I understand, there's like less than 100, I write it 100 season tickets left, that's it. So even if you haven't bought your season tickets, you still can. And we'd love to be able to say that we've sold them all out. And, and not just because we wanna be able to say that some big donor came in here and bought out our last ones. We wanna be able to say that this fan base is fully behind Zach Arnett, this staff, this program, this university. We haven't been in, not, not to say that we hadn't had some loyalty, but uh, that is one of those vulgar displays of power, to borrow, to borrow a phrase, to be able to say, you know what, hey, in year one of our net, our fans answered the call. And not only did they buy up all the tickets, they came to the games. And we need you here. We do. And I know, listen, I get it. A lot of people got out of the habit of coming up here. And trust me, our Starkville merchants have uh, has suffered as a result. Not to make you feel guilty, but that's the reality of it. I don't know how many of them, uh, how, how so many of them made it through COVID, to be honest with you, and uh, maybe perhaps it was the, uh, the federal government's uh, relief aid, which was a good use of federal government tax dollars. We could spend the rest of the day talking about all those uh, tax dollars that are wasted in other ways, but we're not going to, because we're not a political show, Though we could speak intelligently on that topic and very passionately about it. We're not going to. But I think COVID got us out of the habit of going right we got so we got bunkered down, right? We're like you know, hey I'm, I'm going to be here and watch these games. not going to put myself at risk and you, know, you build the man or the, the woman cave or the family cave or whatever you want to call it. Maybe you bought that new TV and it's like, man, I bought this TV. I don't want to waste um, the opportunity to watch a big game at home you know and cook out and have people over. And that's all great. it is. but nothing will ever compare to be in their life. And it's not just for your entertainment value. You need to be there to be a part of it to help kind of push this team forward. And so we have slowly built and built and built. We have sold more season tickets this year already than we have since 2015, which was the school record. And as noted on this show a couple weeks back, school record is safe, uh, considering we put those balconies in. So we kind of limited capacity a little bit. And I've seen some people said, hey, that clearly was a bad idea here's the thing about that is you got to make the best decision at the time and hope for the best. But the reality of it is, is fans have responded. So let's go ahead and gobble up these last hundred or so tickets and be finished. And I expect us to announce a sellout at some point this week, that all season tickets are sold completely out. And I think you're going to want to be a part of that. Year one of the Zach Arnett era. Let's thank our friends at Bulldog Burger Company. Hadn't been in there in a little bit. I've been gone, you know. I need to get in there this week. Uh, I suspect we will be as, uh, as the caboose turns 18 this week. And uh, he is employed there at Bulldog Burger Company. Th- those folks have been so great to us over the years. And, uh, and here's the thing, too. I'll tell you, it's not just as an advertiser. They've been phenomenal, incredibly supportive of our show But also, too, you know, my my daughter worked at Harvey's. My oldest daughter, Audrey, worked at Harvey's. Ian works at Bulldog Burger Company. And I'll tell you, that that's kind of where his circle of friends are. Like last night, I texted him, hey, what's going on? Uh, Hanging out with some friends of mine from Bulldog after work. And so I love the arrangement. I love being able to be affiliated with this wonderful group. And uh, so grateful for them for for sponsoring our show. But here's at the end of the day, their mandate... Is to provide you with a great meal at a great price, with great service, in great locations. Man, did they, they not do that for you? They absolutely do. So consistent in everything they do. I mean, it's like it's a well old machine in many respects. I'm sure those that work behind the scenes may disagree. But every time I go in there, I know exactly what to expect. I can't say that about a lot of other places where I go put my feet under their table. Sometimes it's very hit or miss. It's just not like that at Bulldog Bird Company. had been my experience, and I've been going for years. I was probably one of their first 500 customers. Love that place, man. Three great locations to serve you, University Drive here in Stark, Vegas, Gloucester Street and Tupelo, Lake Harbor Drive, in the Ridge and Flowood area. Go have that great restaurant-quality hamburger, one of the few delicacies in life we afford ourselves. Get the spring rolls as your appetizer. They will make you better looking trust the science in addition to that get that chocolate shake to go maybe get that bread pudding bring it home put it in the fridge and a little bit later when uh you need that palate cleanser you can go down there and get that bad boy i love it man i do bulldog burger company the place where people go to meet m-e-a-t all right we're now in mock week Mock week, which is something that uh, Mike Leach instituted when he became the head football coach here at Mississippi State. Camp is over. Classes have begun. Scout team has been designated. Now we're working with our two deep. They're going to run our scheme against the scout team. Uh, So going to be an increase in reps, you know, from the guys that are going to be expected to make an impact on your team this year. This week, of course, as we mentioned last week, that they're going to you know basically have a dress rehearsal. This will be basically like game week. So there are still some position battles, as Coach Zach Arnett mentioned over the weekend, that will kind of flesh themselves out this week. What I thought we would do is let's take a trip through kind of the depth chart here and kind of what I expect to see because I'm going to be honest with you, some of these battles I think may linger on for a week or two until we find – the right combination of players. And it's good to have some options. We have some depth. I hadn't always had that. People remember we went over and played Georgia with 49 players on a travel roster, and then got over there and had to sit some of those guys. We'll start at quarterback. That's the most obvious one. Obviously, Will Rogers, the guy's got over 10,000 passing yards. I like what Josh Pate said. If you don't watch uh, Lake Kick Live, let me encourage you to check that Josh Pate outstanding Great part of our network at 247 Sports. Josh makes a good point. If There's there's an inherent bias about the Mississippi State logo. People look at that and expect us to be bad. And it's like I think to myself, how many of these people, you know, pay attention, but in addition to that too, I mean, think about the fact that every kid in high school now, every single kid in high school, or we'll just talk about the seniors, I guess, or even, maybe even the juniors. The last time Mississippi State missed a bowl game, they weren't even in school. So maybe perhaps we're changing the perception with the next generation. The expectations for State to be good, but you've got some of these uh, you know longstanding SEC homers that see it differently. You would think making 13 bowl games in a row would change people's perception of our program. You would think winning nine games last year, going four and four in the SEC, and uh, finishing top 20 would change the perception. If, as Jai says, if we were a, uh, a Big Ten or an ACC team with 20 or 22 starters being seniors, a 10,000-yard passer, and winning nine games last year, there are a lot of people that would pick us in the top 15. It's just what we have to deal with, unfortunately. And so, you know what? That's fine. We'll just play with a chip on our shoulder. I think Will Rogers is a guy that probably probably feels like he has a little something to prove. I think Will's ready to move on to the next level. And I think this offense is going to show, too, that he's not a system quarterback. But he is the undisputed starter. Uh, Mike Wright's done a really good job. But as I've mentioned on the show before, the reality of it is is I think that, uh, you know, in the event we have to play Mike in some games, we're going to win those games. There's a different element to this offense when Mike is in there. So I think he and Will kind of complement each other. Um, Mike is not the passer that Will is, nor do you expect him to be. You know, the accuracy the, the accuracy piece is not uh, very consistent in times with Mike, but he adds that running dimension to the offense. And I think that he's a guy, too, that Kevin Barbet probably looks up and says, you know what, i got to give this defense a lot to prepare for. It's, it's incredible. Uh, Chris Parson's been running third team, and, again, that's your future right there. Is Mike the starter next year? Is Parson the starter next year? I don't know. But it's pretty much established, this pecking order. And you'll see all three guys play. I don't know if Chris plays more than four games, but uh, you'll, you'll see all three guys play. All right, running back, this is, you know, last year we were kind of a two-headed monster. Really, the last couple of years? Uh, all the way back in 2020. You remember when, uh, you know, Colin Hill quit slash was dismissed from the team? It went to Woody Marks and Dylan Johnson. Well, Dylan's moved on and people are like, how are we going to replace him? I think we've done that. I think we've done that in spades, to be honest with you. I think there's a good chance you see five running backs play this year, if not more. I think late in ball games especially, you're going to let some of these uh, younger guys get some carries, but um, Woody Marks easily the bell cow of this group. The production value is there. The potential is there to be even greater. Simeon Price proved to be a very solid number two guy last year down the stretch. We don't win the ReliaQuest Bowl without Simeon Price. And then you bring in Uh, Kevon Lee from Penn State could really fill that Dylan Johnson role. You get the number one junior college running back in the country in Jeffrey Pippen, who has been really, really good. And then you add in Seth Davis. Seth Davis routinely getting mentioned by Barbe and Arnett is a guy that may see the field this year as a freshman. You begin to think, okay, do we want to waste a year of his eligibility with a five running back system? Well, if you can win games, yes. That's the reason you bring those guys in is to win games. So now we forget that. So if Seth Davis is a guy, because his skill set is different than everybody else in the room. I think that's the thing when you look at this running back room. It's not just like Woody Marks and a bunch of dudes. Everybody has a different skill set. They bring a different element uh, to this deal. I think that's a big part of it. There's so much of that that I think needs to be kind of uh, established this year is you've got a ton of guys out here that do something a little bit different to make this running back room all the better. It's Woody, and you think about Simeon Price can be a guy to come in and give him a blow. Jeffrey Pittman obviously is a guy that's very good in short yardage, but uh, had a 25-yard touchdown run over the weekend. you got some guys here. I think you can feel really good about the running back room, and again, I know many of you are like, well, Steve, how do we replace Dylan? We've done it. We've accomplished that. Uh, let's get an offensive line. I think there's still a little ebb and flow with this. You know, Percy Lewis has played some at left tackle. Uh, Dollar Bill has played some at left tackle in addition to that. you know, Nick Jones last year played some at left tackle. And while Nick is not the biggest guy with the greatest wingspan, really good feet. He, get, he can go out there and get in the way, right? Uh, but I think there's kind of three guys over there on that left side. I think the right side is very much established. Of course, you got Cole Smith at center, uh, Stephen Lasoya, their right guard uh Kim Jones should be the starting right tackle Albert Reese kind of right there with him but the left side is interesting uh Dollar Bill has worked some at left tackle and of course Percy Lewis so I, I think you have options there I think it's rather interesting to think about Percy and Dollar Bill on the left side together wouldn't that be interesting Percy Lewis at left tackle Dollar Bill at left guard you talk about some mass out there moving people right uh, so that's, that's something that I expect there to be some movement with. I mean, you'd like to have already have your blindside protector kind of like already completely established and maybe, you know, Wolf friend and those guys already have a really good idea how they're going to run it, but they have run some different combinations in camp just to kind of see what fits and how our needs are met. But the good thing is the fact that we can talk about this, we're basically talking about seven, eight guys that are capable of starting are playing significant snaps for you. So I, I feel good about the group. I think you should too. There's a ton of SEC snaps uh, with this group. And again, Percy Lewis is a massive human being and uh, has trimmed up and done a good job. And so I'm eager to see what we can get out of him uh, this year. Uh, tight end-wise, you know it's going to be um, Rylan Goday and, uh, and, and Spivey. And then, of course, you got Antonio Harmon behind him, who has kind of been the past reception tight end of choice in camp. Another guy that I think is interesting is uh, Jaquarius Spivey. He is trimmed up, wearing number 99 now, too. It's amazing how this room has transformed in a short time. Like the group a lot, eager to see what they can do. And obviously, you know, Spivey and, and Godet, while they're veteran guys, uh, they don't have, you know, a ton of of production on the college level. They, they don't. they pull out a of snaps. They don't have a ton of production. And so, again, I think this will be a by-committee approach. I think you can feel pretty good about the group. Um, you know, again, it helps to when you're kind of reinventing or rebuilding the tight end room to bring in some guys that have played Power 5 football at that position. We've done that. You know, it's not like we're asking people to do things they haven't done before. But I think that group's going to be interesting. A lot of diversity within the group. Wide receiver room, I, th- I, think, you, I think you pretty much know how this is all going to flesh itself out. A lot, lot of options here. A lot of it depends on do we go with three and four man sets, what do we do, you know. Um, Tulu, of course, playing in the slot. Creed Whittemore has been really good behind him. Uh, Jacoby Belazar has been really good too. We have some real skill at those inside receiver positions. Justin Robinson, obviously a dude. You feel like that um, you start working through all this, you know, there's gonna be a combination of personnel groups that are kind of gonna there's gonna be one of these situations where guys move around, right? You like too low on the inside to give him the, the full expanses of the middle field to work with. I guess a walk and mismatch. Jordan Mosley is a guy that we talked about is to watch in camp. He has had a really good camp. He's healthy expecting some big things from him. He's worked some at Z. Ferdy Roberson, of course, transferring from uh, Eastern Washington. has been really good. Uh, Creed Wittemore, of course. Uh, Justin Robinson, obviously, uh, you know, the big X, right? And so, Jaden Wiley, a guy that we need to have a big year from. I like the group. I don't even care how much how they line up as long as Tulu is in the slot. Because I think Tulu is going to occupy the safety so much You're going to have to be conscious of what Tulu Griffin does. We can move him around. We can slide him on the backside of the formation. Tulu, even when he's not the primary receiver, can be a guy that creates better matchups for the guys on the outside because he is so explosive. You have to know where he is. Like a great pass rusher, your quarterback in pre-snap burrito, let's identify where he is. Same thing with Tulu. You get those safeties back there talking and communicating. Next thing you know, you you have a shift somewhere (laughs) you're Everybody's paying attention to Tulu, and then somebody else, of course, does something a little bit you know, maybe on the backside of the uh, of the play that sets up an interesting uh, dynamic. And so, yeah, you can use Tulu as a decoy in addition to being a big player. But uh, I love the personnel group here. And, again, Creed Whittemore is the guy, too, that uh, I don't know that I would say I'm surprised, but in some respects I am. He is not playing like a true freshman. He is playing like a coach's kid that's watched a ton of film that lives for the game of football. And you better get ready. I'm just telling you right now, Creed Whittemore is a dude. You begin to work through this, you think, well, you know, we know what Jaden Wiley's like. We know what Tulu's like. We know what Justin Robinson's like. Uh, Jordan Mosley, Freddie Roberson, Belazar, and Whittemore, those guys are proof positive that uh, the Mike Leach staff did a really good job. Steve Spurrier, Jr., give him a lot of credit, uh, for putting together a really good wide receiver room. That even though we can lose several guys from last year and still return a ton of production and a ton of talent, I think you can feel really good about that. And So offensively, you know, again, I don't care how we line up a wide receiver as long as two is in the slot. I think most of you guys would agree. And I think Jacoby Belazar is another guy, too, that uh, people just aren't quite, you know, ready to embrace that yet because you hadn't seen him but I think when you start working through um, our depth at those positions all of a sudden let's say you run two inside guys Tulu on one side Belazar on the other everybody's going to be so focused on five and they're not going to realize that Belazar is almost as fast and uh, just as shifty and he's going to get paired up We're going to have our fourth-best receiver at times paired up with your fourth-best DB, and we're going to win that matchup. It's going to be interesting. Going to be interesting. All right, on the defensive side of the football, I think we got a pretty good idea how this is going to shake out, too.
0: Feels like progress. The Chime Credit Builder Visa credit card is issued by Bancorp Bank N.A. or Stride Bank N.A. Members of FDIC. Out-of-network ATM withdrawal and OTC advance fees may apply. Terms and conditions apply. Go to chime.com disclosures for details.
1: This is the story of the wad. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things
0: differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand.
1: thing is again you got some depth here the the issue is i think is you know you've got a lot of guys that are we highly recruited you feel really good about them you just need to get them out there and let them get under the microscope a little bit i mean you know okay look if we go out there with pick crumb and jd jordan davis nathan picker and Jaden cromedy you feel like okay i know these guys we're good and you should be demonte russell yeah you feel good about him And DeMonte, you know, he's listed as a senior, but he has two years of eligibility left if he decides to use it. Uh, I know he'd like to have a big year and go pro this year. And uh, if he has a year good enough to get drafted, uh, we've had a heck of a year. But, yeah, I feel like across the front, it's J.D., Pick, and Crum, and then Trevion Williams, Calvin Dinkins. And Calvin Dinkins has had a tremendous camp. Tremendous. Not just based on what we've observed, but just talking to people kind of behind the scenes. I don't think people fully appreciate, you know, what, what a good late get that was for us. I think uh, Dink is going to be a guy that you're going to look back a couple years now and say, "Man, I can't believe, you know, we're able to get this guy uh, late." And people forget, you know, we had to hold off Florida to get him. But uh, yeah, so I feel good about that group. And then Eric Taylor, and we talked about him, former All-American, played at OSU, went to Southwest Mississippi. Uh, he's not even starting; he's a depth guy. But that's another guy too. You start thinking about, hey, all of a sudden we went into the fall worried a little bit about depth, but we've had some younger guys make a jump. We've had the addition of Eric Taylor, and then uh, you know Ty Cooper, of course, is a guy too. We we're expecting some good things from, but uh, still kind of waiting for Ty to take that next step, and uh, hopefully he will this year. But you got to get these guys out here. But again, you feel great about that first team group, and it's, and feel better about the second team group. Better, right? You know what Trevion Williams can do, and you guys, are, we, he wasn't as highly recruited as he was for no reason. It wasn't just because he had a couple of good games and a decent profile picture. This guy's a dude, and we need Dink and Trevion and those guys to kind of begin to emerge as uh, you know the next, the next great defensive front linebackers. You feel really good about this group. You know you got Buki and Jet out there. You the real battle's been at Sam. John Lewis and J.P. Purvis have kind of been the front runners there. They'll both play a good bit. I think first snap is probably John Lewis. But J.P. has proven to be a very solid player for us. Uh, played for Sam Williams. Coach Sam Williams. Love that guy, man. Uh, then behind him, of course, uh, you know, you've got some younger guys coming up, but you also have Deshaun Page. So you start thinking about, let's, let's say your primary five linebackers. John Lewis, four-star kid that uh, a little bit banged up his freshman year, had some nice action last year. Buki, Jet, and then you throw Deshaun Page in there, another guy, been one of the better guys off the bench, and then Purvis. You remember how well he played against AM? and so all of a sudden you start thinking this two-deep is really good, and there's guys that can play multiple spots within the linebacker room. And you've had freshman Zachari Tillman that's really stepped up and done some big things too. And so – uh, eager to see what he becomes. But uh, a lot of talk about Avery Slides and Javette Gilmore. So uh, I, I'm sure we're going to empty the bench, and we should hopefully, uh, in week one. So you'll be able to chance to see some of these guys get out there and move around. But linebacker depth was a concern entering spring. And I think now that we've gotten to fall, I think we've addressed that and feel really good. Feel really good probably about five of our six. You know, of course, you got to replace – you know, a lot of production over there with Tyra Sweet being gone. That was a disruptor. Can John Lewis and J.P. Purvis do that? You know, we'll see. But I think you feel really good about that group now. Um, you know, The defensive back situation rather interesting. I think we're beginning to kind of feel like the safeties are kind of beginning to settle. I mean, you know Jacoby Albert is a guy that has uh, you know, consistently been mentioned by the coaching staff as a guy that's flashed at times. Uh, Marcus Banks is absolutely going to be – you're covering the slot. You know, this is going to be a guy that, again, a converted corner moving to safety, gets him on the field, one of the fastest players on the team. Uh, and then Sean Preston. You know, Sean's got a lot of snaps under his belt. I suspect when we roll out there that it'll be Jacoby, Speedy Bags, and Sean Preston snap one. And then behind him, Corey Owenton's a guy that's worked some. Jordan Morant has played some. Uh, Christopher Keyes has done some things. So, you've got a lot of numbers out there, and you've got some guys that have some snaps under their belt. Again – well, I feel better, don't confuse that to be good. Until we see these guys on the field in a game-type situation, I don't know exactly sure what we got, right? I think that's important to understand, too. Uh, yeah, you're beginning to sell in the depth chart, but can these guys, uh, you know, play the way we want them to? And I hadn't mentioned Isaac Smith yet either. I, again, I think he is a future uh, NFL player that will get his first action this year, and he's going to be tough to keep him off the field once he gets out there. And uh, I, I could see him being a starter before the year is over, provided he can uh, make the jump. He's certainly capable of doing that. But, again, I think this safety room, again, that's that's the one thing while, we again, we, we kind of got an idea who's going to start. How are they going to play? All right, corner, you know you got D. on one side. You know, a size forge on the other side. Again, I've I said on a show recently, I, I think the Carlos Nicholson ultimately becomes that guy. Uh, Hunter at Washington's a bit more of a squat corner. You know, he's a guy that uh, maybe doesn't have the length that some of the other guys in the room do, uh, but he's a guy that's going to play a good bit. And, uh you know, is he a two-deeper? Absolutely. Is he a starter? I think that remains to be seen. I think you could see some situations based on matchups uh, where Hunter could be a factor there. But you know what you got with DCam and you feel like you've got some serviceable guys on the other side. I I think DeCarlos Nicholson, of the guys that are expected to play significant reps week one, I think DeCarlos is probably the guy that maybe has the most upside. Again, Washington first don't have his length or size. Uh, Not to say they can't play football. They can. But they're guys that uh, probably better play the ball in front of them a little bit. So, you know, we'll see how things go. But there's some younger guys, too. You know, Kamari Rogers will come along. Uh, Bryce Pollock and some, again some young guys that may see action against southeastern later in the ball game but I think again this you have options it's good to have battles right it's one of those things too where your competition makes everybody around you better and when you can kind of train your focus on you know that cornerback position opposite the cam of course you got to find some guys to play behind him but um, you know guys know how to play both sides of the field. These days, they're not just hamstrung into one position, but it, it will be interesting to see how it flashes out. And again, that's the thing with, you know, the secondary, you know, you kind of figure this, it's about communication and cohesion. It's not always about your five best DBs. It's about the five that play the best together. That's the important aspect of it. Guys that can communicate, guys that understand. And of course, we hit the portal really, really, really hard uh, to supplement what we had returning in the defensive backfield i believe we have the right pieces now it's about kind of figuring out uh where they all fit and it does appear that that's kind of settling in special teams you know what you got there uh keelan crimins a guy that uh you know should be the punter for the foreseeable future and then uh nick bar mira has been a little bit shaken up but uh we do expect him to be good to go uh, once we uh Get on the field here in two weeks, and then of course there's uh, Kyle Ferry, uh, a guy that we're really excited about, and uh, he may eliminate the possibility of us signing a scholarship guy to portal at the end of the year. I know that the kind of the hope is is to go get the best, you know, power five kicker you possibly can uh, to join your program, and uh, you got Massimo Biscardi last year, which is a big time player, you know, um, but you can never have too much depth or competition. And I think the days of just taking a bunch of walk-on kickers are probably over. I think you have to have some guys out there that, uh, you know, there's a reason they have scholarship offers, right? Hayes Hammond, of course, will be your deep snapper. And then uh, you know what you got return-wise. And it was funny, Eric Mealy said, yeah, I got a couple under-the-radar guys, Xavier Thomas and Tulu Griffin. Yeah, all Americans, right? So special teams wise, we should be in better shape this year. Of course, we had some explosive play down the stretch last year. We just got to be able to get out and cover, right? Ought to be able to kick the ball well. You know, ought to be able to um, you know return the ball well. Let's just go out there and uh, and cut some things down and uh, be able to limit people's uh, field position, make them drive the length of the field. But that's kind of how I see it today. May feel differently next week, and we'll talk about the two deep when it comes out officially, but based on observations and conversations with people close to the topic, that's kind of how I see it today. And I think I, I feel good about the team. I feel good about the opportunity. I think offensively, in the scrimmage last weekend showed, offensively I think we're going to be a lot better than people expect. I think we know this defense is going to be really good. And the fact that we can make some plays against them, I think uh, number one gives the defense some things to work on. So they don't maybe feel quite so full of themselves, but also, too, maybe gives the offense a little confidence because we are facing a very experienced defense, and uh, if we can move the football against him, I think we can move the football against most anything, you know, with rare exception, but that's how I see the starting lineup and the two-deep kind of shaking out as, uh, as we move into um, the rest of mock week. All right, time for today's top 10 list. As always, brought to you by CloseWithBlair.com. That's C L O S E with Blair, B L A I R.com. Uh, Blair is my friend, he's your friend, he's a friend of those in need in the mortgage industry. Yeah, if you're going to trust your mortgage to somebody, you need to do it to somebody that's got some experience. Somebody that understands your specific needs, gets to know you as a person. You're not just another 1003 residential housing application. Blair understands you got hopes and dreams for your family. He wants to make those dreams become a reality. Uh, as I've mentioned on the show before, it's now legal in the state of Mississippi for a, uh, a buyer 18 years of age to enter into a mortgage transaction re- permitting they have a, uh, a co-signer. Maybe that's you. Maybe you want to get your your young person established with some adult credit. Uh, maybe Again, as I've mentioned before, maybe your kids come into school here, and rather than uh, throw your money away renting, maybe you make an investment. Maybe that becomes your game day home in the future. Maybe it becomes something you turn over and you sell when your young person has graduated, or perhaps you just allow them to refinance and take over the payments at that point. Uh, Blair can walk you through every bit of that. Twenty-one, excuse me, 22 years of experience in the mortgage origination business. Nobody stays in any industry 20-plus years by accident. This is a guy that gets things done, and he's closing yard loans pretty much every month. Reach out to Blair at 601-500-2344. Again, 601-500-2344. I'm a guy, too. likes to keep it in the family. When given the choice, I do business with Bulldogs got to spend the money i want you guys to benefit from it uh, as a matter of fact you know the uh, the guy that's handling our our, our 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 loan stuff for the new business bulldogs the people we're going to buy our build out building materials from bulldogs i like to keep it in the family i know some of you uh, do as well it's i know where that money's going to go right it's like if i do business with blair i understand this uh, Blair is a guy that's a season ticket holder in, most, in, both, in multiple sports. He has a place here in Starkville. So when I spend money with Blair, I know in some way it's going to get filtered back through the Mississippi State system, right, uh, rather than, than be part of somebody else's NIL package. So reach out to Blair. Uh, works at Fairway Mortgage, a very reputable lender. Recently voted number one in customer satisfaction in the mortgage loan origination business. Again, it's closed with Blair. .com. All right, we uh, we did the top 20, excuse me, we did 10 songs from 98, you know, 25 years of age. And uh, it didn't make me feel old. You know, sometimes you hear songs, I can't believe that song is that old. That that make me feel old because I, I know I've got a point of reference. Like these songs, you know, were out uh, before the turn of the century, before Y2K and all that craziness that went on. That, that scam they perpetrated on all of us. Uh, you got, everything's got to be Y2K compliant, you know, it ended up not being a big deal. There were some people that were suggesting the world could end when midnight on the year 2000 rolled in. Yeah, there's always been that element of alarmism in the world. There's always some people out there that want to make you believe they know more than you do and that somehow your life is going to be uh, inconvenienced to perhaps um, be in a situation where uh, it's going to end. Because of a number. It's crazy the stuff people try to get us to believe. That said, these songs make me feel old because they're turning 10 this year. Top 10 rock songs from 2013 on today's show. When I is, is it really been 10 years? Yes, it's really been 10 years. Some of these songs I still listen to. There's some other ones I go back and think, well, I can't believe this. Has it really been 10 years? I feel like it was just yesterday. Top 10 rock songs from the year 2013. Number 10, uh, it's Slash with Miles Kennedy and the New Conspirators. I absolutely love this project. I've told you guys before, I think Miles Kennedy is the best male vocalist in rock music today. I do. Um, and, and sometimes my opinions vary. Sometimes there uh, are a while I could put you to a list together. Maybe I should of uh, top... Uh, male vocalist and female vocalist in rock today, perhaps I should do that. We hadn't done that in a while. It changes, you know. If I had to make a call today, I'd have to say Noah from Pat uh, from Omens is on my list. But for a while there, I would say, you know, Jesse Isaac from 10 Years and Brent Smith from Shine Down. But Miles Kennedy is the one guy that elicits emotion for me. There are so many songs that he has participated in that uh, they get to me. I mean, it always really speaks to me. I had a chance to speak to Slash and Miles on the telephone uh, back in 2014, which was pretty cool to be able to share. And I, and I remember telling them, I said, you guys, I don't even have a question. I just want to say that I believe that there's a little piece of God in all of us. And when you guys perform and Miles Kennedy sings, the little piece of God in him speaks to the little piece of God in me. And uh, for many of you, I know that's the case. There are some people that write songs, and, and I remember guys, I mean, Man, it seems like it's forever ago now. But uh, there was a time you know, before I left Baton Rouge. It was all post-Katrina. The, you know, the city was changing. Uh, my neighborhood was changing. Felt like my life was changing. Went through a bit of a midlife crisis, I guess you could say. And uh, I would sit down, and there are some days I would only listen to one song, and that's Watch Over You from Alta Bridge. I would listen to it over and over and over because it gave me a sense of peace. And uh, Miles Kennedy was a part of that. And I got to thank him for that. It means an awful lot to me. But today, our song is from the... I guess it's Apocalyptic Love album. It's a great song called Anastasia. It got an incredible guitar solo on this. Uh, slash. Tremendous guitar player. and has been for an extremely long time. And uh, we have some mutual friends. So I've never met him. I have spoken to him on the phone. I can tell you that... Um, The guy's still at the top of his game. And, again, there's talk of new Guns N' Roses music. Let's go. But Anastasia, number 10. Number 9, we have had this uh, song on the show before. We did Corey Taylor Week. And uh, Corey's side project outside of Slipknot is a band called Stone Sour. Their big hit in 2013 was the great song Do Me a Favor. That's your number 9 song today, Do Me a Favor from Stone Sour. Number 8. I, when this song came out, man, I absolutely loved it. Found out later they were actually a Christian band. Didn't know it. Makes perfect sense, though. It's a band called Devour the Day, Good Man. I want to be a good man. I want to see God. And you're like, oh, well, Steve, how did you not know? Well, you know, there are a lot of people out there in the secular world that use religious references all the time. But these guys are the real deal. Devour the Day, Good Man, number eight. And probably one of the songs on this list you don't, you're not quite as familiar with. Love that track, man. Number seven, the band Three Days Grace. This is back when Adam Gautier was in the band. Of course, he's with St. Sonia now. And uh, Three Days Grace, of course, has moved forward with a new singer. Uh, The only band in modern rock history that has more number one singles than Three Days Grace is Shinedown, who is also on this list. That's amazing to think about that. I remember when Shinedown surpassed Van Halen with the most number one rock singles of all time, and it's been back and forth between Three Days of Grace and uh, and Shinedown ever since. This is one of my favorite songs from this era, but from the entire Three Days of Grace catalog. It's the high road. And it starts, I told you I was hurt and bleeding on the inside. You know, we've all been there. At some point, especially when we get along, I'm one of those kinds of people that uh, sometimes being alone is not a good thing for me, you know, because I get, you know, I get. I get depressed and I walk around here and I feel lonely and I get, um, you know, I, I look for something to do, you know, and at times things get overwhelming. I mean, I, I've been queen and sober man over 31 years, but that's not to say I have a good day every day. I don't. I don't. And, um, you yeah, know, I remember a couple weekends ago, I was just absolutely terrible. You know, I'm just walking around here. I just wish I had something to do. You know, the gravity of the situation, the fact of being an empty nester alone for a few more weeks was uh, was tough. You know, it is. But uh, the song The High Road is one of those that just is really uplifting to me. You know, and in many ways, I think it's kind of um, kind of personifies my life in many respects. I took the low road in. I took the high road out. Great track. Number six, many of you have become fans of this band through our show. I submit to you, and I'm prepared to fight this battle. I submit to you that Lizzie Hale is the best female rock vocalist of my lifetime. That's right. I'll just say it for what it is. She has a grit. She plays the guitar. She writes her own music. She also can do the melodic stuff. She has a huge, huge vocal range. A lot of people would say, but yeah, Steve Jones, Jett is so cool. And she is, but she has nowhere near the range of Lizzie Hale. But Steve has led Ford, forward. She's so hot. And it's true. It's true. She's not as talented as Lizzie Hale. So we're going with Hellstorm, the great track, Freak Like me. Are you a freak like me? you know, uh, And that's not necessarily filled with sexual innuendo. It's just about being different, being an individual. You know, I guess in many respects, I'm a freak. I'd rather be a freak than a fake. I'll tell you that. Number six, Hellstorm, Freak Like me. Number five, a band that I have been very hot and cold with it was really kind of late to the party because I thought a lot of their earlier lyrics were so incredibly sophomoric. And it was like, you had these great tracks that began to sound the same over and over and over again. And I thought that Ivan Moody was a guy that kind of came off a little bit phony. Uh, But all I said, you know, he's now uh, clean and sober and, and doing good. Not that that's a prerequisite for me to like your music. But uh, my wife loved them from the very beginning, and I think sometimes she liked them because I didn't. You, know, you have those moments in your relationship where, uh, you know, it's like well, you know, all of a sudden, I don't really like that song. Oh, I think it's great. Oh, I, I don't think it's very good at all. And the next thing you know, like every time it comes on, she turns the radio up in a very passive-aggressive way. Is it just me? Is it just me that happens to? But in time, I made my peace with Five Finger Death Punch. Ani and I used to say, what's Five Finger Fruit Punch, if you ask me? Yeah. I just didn't think there was a lot to them. But uh, I think they have matured in many respects, and they do have some songs that I really like. And probably my favorite song from Five Finger Death Punch, and maybe it's because of a bit of a nostalgia, it's Lift Me Up that features Rob Halford from Judas Priest on the second verse. Absolutely love it. I love the drums on this. I love, like, as soon as it starts, it's like, oh, my gosh, here we go. Five Finger Death Punch, Lift Me Up, number five. Number four, we mentioned earlier in the show, Uh, arguably my favorite band of this generation. Sometimes I lose track. I think I have four Shinedown tattoos. I think that's right. I know I have uh, at least three. I'd have to kind of do some inventory. Yeah, I got that many. Uh, But it's uh, the great song, I'll Follow You. And uh, this this is just one of those songs, too, that I think in many respects is rather timeless. And uh, I think the lyrics behind this, this is really about somebody loving another person and to see them it's like you know what this is this is who i'm supposed to be with and there's a big difference between infatuation and love and, and that's one of things too i'm not going to get on my soapbox and have one of these get off my lawn type conversations uh but i wonder what's going to happen to the divorce rate in this country uh with the next generation and uh I, I think in some respects it might remain the same because i think fewer and fewer people are getting married which i you know you have your own value system but i think it's unfortunate but uh but that said, I'll follow you is about, you know, hey, I'm, I'm in love with this woman. And he talks about that. I don't care if we fall from grace. I'll follow you down. You know, I mean, and that's truly what love is really about. There's so much of that these days. It's all so self-serving. And again, I'll, I'll preach a little bit here. Uh, one of the things that irritates me, and I'm sure I'll get some people, but Steve, you don't understand. And maybe I don't. Okay, I'll open up and tell you that maybe I don't. But I don't understand this brand of selfishness that exists in today's society. We have never been more selfish as a people than we are now in the history of mankind. It's all about me. What can I do for me? I mean, I I was on Reddit recently and reading about, you know, uh, this lady that, um, you know, her husband wants her to go to family events. Like his family is very close and uh, they get together three or four times a month and they have dinner they have barbecues they watch ball games together and uh, she don't want to go and uh, you say but steve she shouldn't have to go well yeah she should at times i'm not saying she got to go every time and it's like all of a sudden we want to blame our all of our selfishness and say well this is what i need to do for my mental health well you could have to go to work every day right you couldn't go spend two hours to go to a barbecue at your in-law's house but think about the position is putting that dude in right It shouldn't be that way. Uh, Relationships are by give and take. And uh, I will tell you this, when I look back over over the pathology of my own life and look back at, you know, 31 years of being with the same woman, and they haven't all been great years. I'll just tell you for how it is. When you're with somebody in the human condition for that long, some years are going to be better than others. It's true. It's just kind of how it is. Infatuation won't last decades, but I'll tell you the, the times I look back and say, you know what? When things weren't as they should be, it was typically because one of us, or one or both of us, was being very selfish. That's the truth. Your Relationships are about giving, and I say, but Steve, you know, you're giving, 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 give. Yeah, it's true. It's true. And there are some years, and there are some stretches in your relationship where you've got to do more than your you're 50 percent people and it's really not even 50 percent both people have to be 100 percent in but there are some years that you got to give a little bit more you do it's why well, I just get so tired of giving okay then go be single because in a relationship you're going to have to be giving that's a big part of it I, one of the most profound things my dad ever told me ever i said i wasn't going to preach but here i am it's like people get married and they say, well, you know, they changed. So-and-so changed. And, they say, you know, change is inevitable when you get married. It is inevitable. You have to change. Because before, you know, you live by yourself. You know, you can squeeze a toothpaste in the middle. You know, you don't have to put the toilet seat down. Take the trash out when you want to. Watch what you want to. You can be very self-driven when you marry somebody or you live with somebody or you enter into a living arrangement or a, a true relationship, you got to change. You have to. It's inevitable. If It's never going to work if you continue to live life as you did as a single person, right? And, and again, I, you know, the, the age of social media, I mean, there's so many relationships that um, I know I sound judgmental and that's okay too. It's also superficial, you know. I mean, it truly is. It's like I, I saw a thing a while back. On when he's podcast, where this guy asked um, four college age girls, "Would you rather have a long term meaningful relationship, or would you rather have Instagram?" And all four of them said Instagram. All four of them said Instagram. And it's like I think to myself, "What, what are we valuing in life? We're evaluating these likes and tweets and comments." from complete strangers that really add nothing of benefit to our lives other than the little euphoria in very, very small doses. Yeah, and I don't know what other people are looking for in life, but, uh, you know, what I wanted is to find somebody to love me and to support me and to be there for me in good times and bad and to lift me up and to help carry the load a little bit rather than somebody to just, you know, slide in my DMs and tell me how cute I am. I mean, come on. You know, live your life how you want to live your life, but I will live my life just like I'll follow you down, in the great shine down track. I'll follow you. And uh, I, recently, it's one of the things that she told me. We were talking about, we were talking about opening this business. We we're like, you know what? This is a big risk financially for us. We're, you know, she's going to get out of nursing, or so much to this. And I, I listen. I wanted to do it, but I was nervous. I had a lot of apprehension. I'm like, I don't know what to do. You know, I don't know what's the right move here. And she said, I'd rather try and fail and live with you in a camper than live in that big house having never tried to do anything great i think that's love that's love i mean we would sacrifice the security of having this what we have for something better and uh, i'm a firm believer in i'd rather i'd rather try than not know right i live my life that way and so those are the things that i think about so yes you can have your instagram likes you can have every bit of that you can have all of mine too, because I don't live for those. Number three, I love this band. I haven't seen them live yet. Ben and I talked about this recently about we're always talking about like bucket list stuff, like who do you really want to see. You know, who, who is a band we haven't seen we'd like to meet, bands we'd like to see. Uh, you know, that's that sort of stuff. And uh, there's a band from England that we love, and they had a huge hit in 2013. It's just when things really begin to take off for them. It's bring me the horizons. Can you fill my heart? Absolutely love it. I started to go shadow Moses here because I absolutely love that song. But uh, this is one of those bands that now is kind of becoming an international headliner. They started out just kind of being an opening and support act for other bands around Europe, and now they're kind of a worldwide headliner. They're their band. It's really, really on the cusp of some huge things. But I haven't seen them yet. I want to. It's Bring Me the Horizon. Can You fill My Heart? If they come to your town, let me know. I may come. We'll go together. Number two, I love this song. I love this album. It was an album that they made their way. I have met the guys in Pop Evil. Uh, Lee, the singer, an incredible guy. Incredible guy. I uh, had a chance to sit down and break bread with him. Uh, we were Rock, Oklahoma a couple years ago. Thanks, Mark. i um, And just visit with him and his girlfriend. And uh, the thing I love about Lee and uh, Pop Evil is they are not like the old guard that have this wall up between them and their fans. Uh, Lee is a very down-to-earth guy that just has a super cool job. Uh, I love Pop Evil. I do. And uh, I'm an old-school Pop Evil fan. I've been with them since the beginning, all the way back, I guess, from Lipstick on the Mirror. Uh, Onyx is a great album, too. But uh, I tell you, one of my favorite songs in that catalog is a song about addiction and uh, surprise surprise, right? but it really talks about the, you know the power that it has over you and it's the great track Deal with the devil and that's really what we're talking about here. you know when we get involved, there's so many people now that will normalize uh, drug abuse and addiction and that sort of stuff and like you know it's, it's okay, it's okay, whatever makes your life easier. Well if it's unhealthy, it's not making my life easier. It's not, and, and I'm a guy that's been through it, man, and that's one of the things, and again, I, I feel like I'm being preachy today, and that's okay. Maybe I need to say this. I have so many people like that I still interact with regularly. A lot of it's online, you know, and it's so easy to interact with people online these days, and there's so many people that are just full of crap, but, um, and that's the thing I love about social media. It kind of just, you know, it makes it easier to identify the idiots, but, um, but nevertheless, these people have these opinions, these relative opinions about recovery and about addiction and things like that. its so all you're so old school and antiquated. Yeah, listen, you're still actively using narcotics. I'm not. We are not the same. We are not the same. And I'm not from this. Well, you know, I, I did this for a while and and my feelings were hurt. And I went through this and this they weren't satisfying my needs and my life is terrible. Listen, I was homeless, man. That's the level of addiction that I know. I was homeless. I was unemployed. I didn't have, I didn't have anything. I didn't have a pot to piss in a one to throw it out of. I was broke as the Ten Commandments. I had a face and felony charges. I'd lost everything that I had, every relationship that I treasured, everything. All I had left to save was my life. And so when I think about recovery, I don't think about, well, I just went through a difficult phase where my feelings were hurt. You know, this is a family show, or I would say exactly how I feel about that. We we are absolutely not the same. But if you continue down that path, you will experience the same things that I did, if not worse. I'm a suicide attempt survivor, man. I'm a guy that's been to jail. I'm a guy that's been a drug rehab. This isn't some fake thing for me. This isn't about getting my feelings hurt. I had to save my life. And these people I hear nowadays you'd be like, well, it's okay, it's okay. It's not okay. This is a life-and-death deal. This is not, well, Well, you know, I'm going to cut back on the coke a little bit. I'm just going to do, uh, yeah, I'm going to switch over and do this, you know. No, it's not. Life doesn't work that way. I'm telling you, it leads one of three places, jails, institution, and death. It's as simple as I can say it. And if anybody out there is telling you something else, they're lying to you. And more times than not, they're lying to you to make themselves feel better. Either you're clean and sober or you're not. And I've got some friends of mine in the recovery community and many people in rock music that I, that I deal with regularly. And we talk about these things when we get together. It's like, well, if I didn't drink, I'd be back on heroin. You know, that's what you tell yourself to make yourself feel better. You can live life without chemical dependency. You can You can't just trade one addiction for another and call yourself in recovery. And uh, that is something that I will, that's a hill that I will die on every single time because it does a disservice to the still suffering addict to suggest that them, to them that at some point uh, they can continue to use in a healthy way. It just didn't work that way. Number one, before I get angry, great album, loved it. It was kind of a return to form for these guys. It's the Event Sevenfold, guys. And it's Hail to the King absolutely love this song uh, I've, I've joked with people before if I ever have uh, like entrance music this would probably be one of the songs I would consider. Hail to the King um, a lot of it's you know, not just because of ego or whatever but uh, I just think the song is so incredibly good so, uh, Sylvester Gates does a tremendous job on this of course Matt M. Shadows uh, met Matt and um, tremendous guy had a chance to meet the Reb before he passed away we met these guys in Tupelo, Mississippi how about that? Uh, but a great band I love Avenged Sevenfold I, I don't like the new album I'll be honest with you I just don't get it I, I I don't and I think I think it was a waste of time and material I think it's a disservice to the fans I mean those guys have to be responsible for themselves and their own career but I think this Event Sevenfold Hell to the King era was probably the peak of this band uh, saw them in Tulsa with a Bullet from my Valentine a while back and I guess, I've seen them I guess three times now I love them in Sevenfold. The new album, I don't get it. I know many of you will say, but Steve, I don't, and I've tried to. And I'm a fan of this band all the way back from, uh, I guess, City of Evil was kind of my introduction with Back Country. I know some of you were with them a little bit earlier, but um, a little piece of heaven or whatever. But uh, I, I wasn't. And uh, but Hell of the King to me is one of these songs where I think about it been Sevenfold. And I think about you know, if I wanted to sell you on this band. It would be hell to the king. That's your top ten list for today. If you have ideas for the top ten list, reach out let us know. You can hit us up. Uh, Best way to do it is uh, on social media. Uh, You can find me on all forms social media at Scout, Steve R., and, of course, Roy at Dogmatic67. All right, next segment of the show brought to you by Campus Bookmark. If you're looking for your MSU interlocking merch, look no further then Campus Bookmarts. You can go by and peruse their fine selections in person and see their smiling faces, right? If you can't make it to town and perhaps game day is not a good shopping day for you, visit them on the World Wide Web at campusbookmart.net. And by being a loyal Boneyard listener, we'll give you a phrase that pays. And that is BSR, which stands for Beautiful Steve Robertson. That gets you free shipping on all orders over $75. Any order less than $75 is absolutely incomplete. And as we mentioned, game day will be here very soon. So maybe you're holding out to shop in person, but maybe you're thinking, you know what, I really want to outfit the family in new gear. I want to rep this new vintage vault logo. Then what you do is you visit them online. Cool, right? CampusBookmark.net promo code BSR. Uh, You may have noticed Mississippi State made some updates on their uh, social media platforms, changed the profile picture on uh, most stuff to the state script. We did that on our website a week or so ago. Uh, It wasn't just fortuitous, right? There is, um, or let's say there appears to be, appears to be. A shift in our branding, and uh, I know that's a lot of people are excited about that. I am too, and I, and I'll I'll, see, I'll share with you again my thoughts on the logo. A lot of people say, Steve, it's just a logo, but it's not. It's not just a logo, not in my opinion. You know, I want what's best for Mississippi State, and I think you do too. We're not always going to agree what's best, right? And we we disagree about coaching decisions all the time. We disagree with recruiting priorities. Why are we taking this kid? Why are we prioritizing that kid, right? There's so much out there that's left up for debate, and it's matters of opinion. This is one of them. I submit to you that the M-State banner logo is a great logo for the university. I think it works well for the university. I think it looks good on a tie-tack. It looks good, uh, you know, uh, as a lapel pin. It looks good on letterhead. It looks good on a diploma. I don't know that it looks good on a helmet. And I know many of you say, but, yeah, I don't really care as long as we win. And that's true, too. I don't care what we do long to win either. But when I think about shifting our thinking, because we have a tendency uh, to get kind of antiquated in our thinking, it's like, well, this is what we've always done. Well, that doesn't mean that's what we should continue to do it. And so I'm happy to see this. And uh, I will credit you know, Zach Selman and the administration for uh, making this move. But I think it's important. And I also think it's important to be receptive to the fans. And I don't know we've always done that at Mississippi State. We've always said, well, this is what we're going to do, you know. And uh, if you love us, then you'll agree with it. And and there's a large segment of our fan base that's kind of how they feel. It's like, hey, whatever the university decides, I'm going to support. And that's a good way of thinking, too. It is, right? It's a relationship. But I think it's important to modernize things. I think it's important to say, you know what, if we do what we've always done, we're going to get what we've always gotten, right? And you can say, well, does the logo really make us that much difference? Uh, yeah, I, I think it does. I think it shows that uh, in many respects that uh, we're willing to embrace change, which is difficult at times. So we're still going to keep the M-State banner logo. We are, and we should. But I think it's what we're seeing now is maybe the uh the fact that we're emphasizing the secondary marks. Uh, my, my honest opinion is I would be perfectly okay if uh, we had a baseball-only logo, we had a football-only logo, we had a basketball-only logo. I, I'm fine with that. There are other people that say, you know what, we have to have consistency in branding. I don't think there's anybody out there that's looking for a Mississippi State uh, piece of merchandise or a game or anything like that that is confused. Uh, we talk about the baseball-specific logos. Most of what we consider the best baseball programs in the country have a baseball-specific logo. Uh, they do. Uh, you look at LSU football. I mean, their football logo is is timeless in many respects, but it's very different from their baseball logo. You know that that their interlocking LSU is for baseball. It's not for football. And you know, when you look at uh, you know Florida State or Miami or Ole Miss, you know. Uh, Arkansas, you know, everybody has a baseball-specific logo. And so would we be totally out of the box if we thought, hey, let's put the interlocking MSU as our primary football logo? We haven't taken that step yet, but I think there is um, maybe an undercurrent within the fan base that says, hey, let's do that, let's do that. And it's not just feelings of nostalgia. I think there's a reason that people look at that logo and say, yeah, that's really who we are. Now, I'm a guy, too, that understands MSU is not our branding. Like, when we look at these SEO guides, SEO guides that people share, uh, the team that's referred to as MSU nationally is Michigan State. In many respects, especially in the southeast, we are state. Nobody calls LSU State. They don't call Florida State State. They're LSU and FSU. But we're state. You talk to any SEC fan in the country and say, hey, Uh, You guys are playing state this weekend. You don't need an explanation. We're state. Now, people in California may not know us as state, but are we really that concerned about what the rest of the country thinks about us? You know, I'm honestly, let's do what's best for the people that matter most. That's what I think we should emphasize. What do the fans want? Well, the fans have wanted the interlocking MSU back on the helmet for a long time. We're going to wear it in the Kentucky game. I don't know that maybe next year we don't decide, you know what, this is it. I do like the fact that we're going to have the state script this year on the helmets. I think it looks cool. I think it's important for us. And like, right in the middle of all of this, you start thinking, okay, for so long, many of us have wanted, hey, let's begin to emphasize the fact that we're state, but now we're going to be MSU too. I understand the confusion in that conversation. I just think it's rather than just having some comprehensive marketing plan where we just say, okay... This is who we're going to be in every aspect. I think it's okay to say, you know what? Let's do this. Let's do M over S over baseball. Let's do the interlocking MSU for football. And uh, we'll use the state script for everything else. You know, and so, said, but Steve, that's just so, you know, disjointed. You know, maybe it is. But it's not like we're in a competition. You know, winning marketing competitions is very esteeming for the people that are involved in that process. But that doesn't necessarily mean that that's what's best for our branding. There are a lot of people that do a great job marketing for Mississippi State. Tremendous job. We've won several awards, and it's just it's great. Our social media engagement is great, and there's a lot of people that uh, kind of you know look at that and they 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 assign a value to every bit of that, and there is some value to it. But I think the underlying value is you know what what do recruits want? What do players want? What do the fans want? You know, this is all a relationship in many respects. And we talked about relationships earlier in the show. There is some give and take. And so I, I think you can't get by just force-feeding this to Mississippi State fans, say, hey, we're going to do this, and you either like it or don't. And uh, I'm not saying that anybody has that attitude, but there have been times in the past that's how it's felt, you know. And uh, and so I'm on board with it. I am. And at the end of the day, the best brand thing is winning but we have done some things from a marketing standpoint, branding standpoint, I think that have kind of held us back in some respects because I think about, at the end of the day, it's about the health of the university and our athletic programs. But uh, you know, what do you think that uh, retail sales were at Mississippi State-specific vendors last week? What do you think? Right, You would already expect an uptick in sales because we're you know, school's back in session, right? We're getting back to... Um, you know, to football a lot of people are in town moving their kids in and you go by the you know go by and shop and you go buy them a few things here and there but but you know talking to retailers around town there's a bunch of that there's a bunch an absolute bunch of merchandising sales that maybe weren't as anticipated as you'd expect and i think a lot of it just goes to show you how great the fans have responded to this interlocking msu so do we make it permanent I think we should. I'm going to be okay either way, but I would be happier to see that late 90s logo on the helmets. And, uh, again, I, I detailed that last week. It's so interesting to me. You know, and it, I got a lot of people that say, Steve, you need to get to the bottom of this. You know, at the end of the day, I, I don't want to assign blame to anybody. I just want to fix it. It, it doesn't matter who, who was at fault. There's no point in politically scourging people publicly because of the decisions that they made when perhaps they were in charge. But the reality of it is, is let's just fix the problem rather than figure out who to point a finger at. That's my take. You may disagree. All right, let's take a look at Arizona this week on our shows. We're gonna do uh, you know, we're gonna preview three of our four. We're done with the SEC. So we're gonna do Arizona, Western Michigan, and um, southern miss this week and then next week you know we'll begin previewing southeastern uh, lions i wrote a piece yesterday for those of you that uh, were looking for some mississippi state uh, material yesterday about state's uh, history against the louisiana directional schools and i thought thought it was rather interesting yeah you can find that article for free over at jeanspage.com of course it's on all social media platforms as well it's a free article Uh, you should be a subscriber if you're not Come visit us over at jeanspage.com, the Mississippi State affiliate for 247 Sports. Uh, but, yeah, let's talk Arizona. I know when we uh, when we signed this deal, people were like, man, Arizona. Whew, Arizona State. Uh, guys, I had a great time out there last year. You know, of course, uh, Danny was uh, working in New Mexico, so we got to go spend a couple days with her. Probably should have stayed the week with her. Uh, but all that said, I had a great time out there. Uh, people were a little bit worried about the ball game. I wasn't. But uh, this is you know, a team last year that uh, I remember before we played them, people were like, they went to San Diego State and they, they beat those, the Aztecs up in their debut in that brand-new stadium in the heat. It was unseasonably warm in San Diego when they played that game. But uh, Arizona wins at 38-20. And of course, they had Jacob Delara and people were like, I don't know. Well, we went up there and beat them 39-17 and the game was really never in doubt especially after that first quarter. We kind of did what we wanted to do. We out-athleted them and won the game going away. And I remember walking out of that stadium, I remember thinking, there's no way this team makes a bowl game. Not us, but Arizona. I thought, this is not a bowl team. It's great to get a Power 5 win. uh, And it's important for us to get the W. But this is not a great Arizona team. Now, the next week, they bounce back and beat North Dakota State 31-28. Not an impressive win, but a win nonetheless. Then they go to Cal. They get beat 49-31. They beat Colorado 43-20, but everybody did. Uh, they lost to Oregon 49-22 in Tucson. They lost at Washington 49-39. to They lose to USC 45-37. Competitive game there, but uh, you know, not great. And then Utah gets them 45-20. So you have a four-game losing streak there uh, pretty much throughout the month of October and beginning of November. They pull off the big upset of UCLA in the Rose Bowl, Pasadena, 34-28, then lose to Washington State, and then win the rivalry game 38-35. And so they end the year 5-7 and seven, and 3-6 and six in a league. And it's like, again, they didn't make the bowl game. Not to sit here to uh, to praise myself, but uh, I just didn't see it, didn't feel it. I just thought there were so many moving pieces to that that didn't look like Power 5. Uh, but it was a much better year because in 21, those guys were 1-11. and so they got better. A lot of people are anticipating them being a bold team this year. So we're, we should see a better Arizona team this year in Starkville than we saw last year in Tucson. Uh, enjoyed my time in Arizona. I did, for sure. Uh, but defensively, they were so bad last year. And that's the thing you look at now. The fact that we get them early is probably a really good thing. But uh, they're going to be able to whip it around and throw it around a little bit. And I'm eager to see how much uh, you know Delara has uh, has improved over last year. There were some times, Jaden Delora, excuse me. Uh, there were some times last year when he had the ability to run, and he didn't. It's like he tried to force the pass rather than to kind of take what the defense gave him. Uh, but uh, yeah, really big year for him last year, nearly 3,700 yards passing, one of the biggest years in school history. Um, I don't know that he's the plus runner that some people bill him to be. And the fact that he's added some more weight this year, uh, I think he is uh, you know, maybe a suitable runner, a guy that can get out and you know, when the defense breaks down a little bit, he can scramble, kind of extend some plays. Uh, I don't think that he is going to be a big component. Um, you know, uh, the big guy last year for them was Dorian Singer. Of course, he transferred out and went to USC. Uh, but there are still some guys out there. Jacob Cowing, of course, a uh, big-time player for them. You know, we were aware last year of him and did a good job against him. Uh, but they want to be able to run the football, obviously. Uh, you know, they got, they got some dudes in their Power 5 program, right? But uh, probably the biggest name on their uh, offense is um, Jordan Morgan, the uh, left tackle for them. You know, they're going to want to run off left side with him, and uh, we're going to have to, to kind of get out there and flank the edge a little bit, and i let that guy take over a ball game. And uh, with our scheme, it's a little different for them, you know, for sure. Uh, defensively, again, they were absolutely abysmal last year. Uh, you know, we'll see. They, they, they hit the transfer portal hard, and that's the thing, too, what we've noticed with these teams. Even though you improve your talent level, you may not be better at a team in the early go as a, as a team in the early going because of the fact that um, you have to spend some time developing some cohesion. We deal with that too. Everybody does. So we'll see. Um, Johnny Nansen is uh, defensive coordinator there. Uh, they believe they've got some dudes, obviously, that uh, are good players. But I think we'll get them early enough in the year you know, before they kind of figure some things out uh, defensively. And we need, to, we, need, we need to win this game. I mean, a lot of people are just kind of assuming a win here. Again, it's going to be a better team than last year for sure. I just don't know if they've got the athletes, you know, um, you know, to come in here and win a game in an SEC environment. You know, we'll see. But, uh, again, it will be a better team. Let's look at their schedule this year. Not much like us, they shouldn't be tested in week one. Uh, They're going to get Northern Arizona. uh, That's Saturday before us, and then of course they'll make the trip uh, to Starkville. The next week they go to UTEP. That could be, excuse me, they host UTEP. That could be an interesting deal. Then they open a uh, Pac-12 or two play uh, at Stanford. They host Washington. They're at USC. They're at Washington State. Uh, they host Oregon State. They host UCLA. They're at Colorado. Uh, Military and Veteran Appreciation Day with Utah rolling into Tucson. Then they're at Arizona State. And so you start looking through this and you just kind of wonder, you know, how good's the Pac 12 going to be this year? You know, I don't think we know at this point. I think that the Pac 12's got some teams that are fairly capable of beating Arizona. I think this team is going to, I think they're going to probably find a way to get Bo eligible but it's going to require likely an upset or two they should beat northern arizona Uh, i don't expect them to beat us that makes them one and one they should be able to get utep at home which will make them two and one they're at stanford it's tough to win on the road anywhere Uh, but let's call that a a loss that's two and two washington what do they have at washington this year you know we'll see uh they have that game at home we'll call it a toss-up but um I'm just not prepared to give them the benefit of the doubt. Let's call it two and three. got to go to USC and play in the Coliseum. and makes them two and four. got to win at Washington State. The Washington State situation is interesting. I think Arizona can go in there and get it done. You're playing in October, so the weather should be uh, good, where in November it could be terrible. We'll give them the dub there. You get Oregon State coming in. Oregon State obviously was a really good team last year that smashed Florida in the Vegas Bowl. UCLA, uh, it's difficult to say there, but we'll give them a a win against Colorado. I think this team is going to struggle to get to six, but I think they've got to find a way to win three of those four non-conference games and then uh, probably pull an upset or two. You know, what's Arizona State going to have this year? I don't don't know. You know, uh, I really don't know. I guess it's just three conference games. So you got to win two in the non-conference and then find a way uh, to get four more in the conference play. And again, going to Colorado, we'll see what happens. But I think that could be a dub for them. But uh, you know, this Arizona team is just kind of middle of the pack in a league that's got some elite teams. And uh, you know, the bottom of this league is maybe better than it has been in recent years. It may boil down to that game at Arizona State. But again, this is a team that we ought to be able to handle. We ought to be able to get these guys in our part of the yard and, uh, and beat them and make them play our game. I just think with all the misdirection we're going to have on offense and the way that we blitz, we're going to be difficult to prepare for, and nothing against Northern Arizona is going to prepare them for us. You could say, well, Steve, you know, we're kind of in the same situation. Uh, we're not having as many guys that we're having to kind of fit in you know, defensively. Yeah, we've got some moving parts in the secondary, uh, but by and large, everybody that's expected to be in the starting lineup for Mississippi State on defense has been in the program for at least a year, uh, with the exception of Jacoby Albert. You know, so everybody else that you're expecting to be on the field this year, so you know, and they're playing in a defensive scheme that they've been a part of throughout their time here. So we don't have as many pieces, moving pieces on defense that they do, and I think it's going to be too much too soon uh, for them to be able to kind of figure that thing out. So. Again, they're 5-7 and seven last year. Maybe they get to 6, but it's one of those deals you look at and say there are so many toss-up games here. I mean, listen, let's be honest, too. The fact that they won at UCLA last year was a big surprise. So I think by the expectations, you look at it and say probably a 4 and eight team. And then you go out and think, okay, San Diego State was a bit of an upset, too. And so, yes, they managed 5-7. and seven. Your record is what you say it is. But there were a couple of those games there you look at and say, you know what, this, this really didn't compute. But that's what we love, college football. There's always games that pop up that don't make any sense. I mean, the fact that Appalachian State beat Michigan in Lloyd Carr, that didn't make any sense, but they did it. But I think this is a team, obviously, that um, just has a lot of question marks. I mean, it really has a lot of question marks. And uh, I just don't think they're going to be able to answer them by week two. And, again, looking at the Pac-12 schedule, I mean, you know, so Arizona's picked eighth by the media. Uh, you know, and that in fifty cents can get you a cup of coffee at the Delo truck stop. But uh, you know, then there's but beneath them is Cal, Arizona State, Colorado, and Stanford. So you know you can find a way to win some games against the bottom half of this league, you got a chance to get bow eligible. But when you begin to factor in USC, Washington, and Utah, uh, it's going to be tough. You know, Oregon State's kind of a contemporary in many respects. UCLA, uh, they are too. Washington State, but uh, yeah. So Arizona you know, picked in the bottom half of the league. But there are some people around them, obviously, that they're going to play on the schedule. And we'll see how things, you know, kind of roll out for them. But, uh, you know, looking at the uh, Pac-12 preseason all-conference team, and, again, you take a lot of this with a grain of salt, uh, you know, running through the first-team offense, not a single Arizona player on it. Running through the second-team offense, there are two. Jacob Cowling, a wide receiver, and then jordan morgan but those guys we kind of highlighted in our preview there so just two players uh on either of the first two teams preseason pac pack 12 looking at first team defense no arizona players looking at second team defense no arizona players and it stands to reason because they were so abysmal and have so many new faces this year so this is a defense not expected to the rebound of course they could surprise some people but um uh, you know, the all-purpose player on the second team is uh, Jacob Cowan. So we've got to deal with him again. Did a good job against him last year. But, uh, you know, a handful of guys got some honorable mention type stuff there. But, uh, again, a team that's not expected to do a whole lot. But uh, with a couple of breaks here and there, they could be a bold team. And we need them to be, right? I mean, we'd like for those guys to win six, seven, long as it's not one against us. Yeah, you know, that's the thing that I've always learned about this, is after we beat a team, I want them to set the woods on fire in a non-conference same thing in baseball right and and in basketball right i mean it's there's especially with the way the rankings are set up now you know you want people to add value to your strength of schedule we don't want to just beat bad teams we'd like to be able to beat arizona but all of a sudden you know they find a way to elevate and uh, make a nice bowl game somewhere else that that would be good for us And, and not just from a perception standpoint but you know we're going to be uh having playoffs expanded playoffs in the years to come and you need people out there that, that help the metrics of your team as they're evaluated by the uh, playoff committee. You know, we're not a playoff team this year, you know, but that's not to say in the foreseeable future we couldn't be. And so it's important that uh, we beat teams and then we don't see them fall apart. We want them to continue to do well, not because we like them, but because our motives are, uh, are self-serving in many respects. All right, uh, let's kind of move forward here as we get ready to wrap up in the uh, final few minutes of the show. I'll tell you, When the Bottom Falls uh, is the uh, new book that's going to come out uh, next month. It's uh, already being laid out. I had to go through some pictures last night and uh, pick those out, send them to the publisher. The, you know, it's all being typeset, and then the next thing you know, it will get in line, they'll print it, they'll bind it, they'll put the book jackets on it, they'll send it to us. And so uh, we're about a month out, and uh, once we get an official release date, I'll let you know, but typically it runs about five weeks. Uh, so, late September is what we're expecting, and uh, I will update you as uh, as we get closer to that. But uh, went through some pictures last night. It's uh, one of those things that um, you know, my wife isn't a bit of a pack rat, but I I am quick to say she is too. There's like I noticed like she kept a bunch of birthday cards and things like that, and uh, you know things from. Uh, you know, she's even kept, uh, I sent some flowers to her from uh, Billy Harriman's florist. That was kind of my florist of choice in Baton Rouge, and she kept a lot of those things, those cards. Uh, it means a lot to me. that she. My wife's not the emotional one in the relationship, right? I mean, she loves me, obviously, but the, the fact that she kept those things means something to me, but I tell you, navigating through all that stuff, you know, it, it kind of gives you a measure of your life. You know, it's like you start working through all this and it's like, oh, I remember this. What year was this? And we did this and we did that. You start kind of dating your life by when your kids were born or when they accomplished certain things. And I look back at some of those old pictures and I think I'll never be that person again. And uh, that's a good thing, right? I mean, it's about evolution. And um, I, I share that. I think it's important that we all take an inventory of kind of where we are and where we want to go. I mean, I didn't turn 50 and just decide, okay, I'm just kind of waiting around to die. You know, I still got some dreams and some aspiration, things that I want to take care of. Uh, but one of the things that's important to me is that uh, we provide the best coverage of Mississippi state sports that's available. That's not to say that somebody's not going to write a great story one day that's not within our umbrella. That happens. Some very talented people on the Mississippi state beat. And uh, we're about to make a pretty big announcement too, but we're hiring another writer. And uh, matter of fact, when I wrap this show up, I'm going to go have lunch with them. And, um, you know, we, we've already got through it. It's not public yet, but we're going to be announcing another team member uh, on our staff. And so uh, there is, that's the thing about life is like you can never just get satisfied with where you are. And it's one of the things that I think about. I'm not going to name people by names, but there are some people that get to a standard you know, comfort level of living. It's like they reach a certain level and they stop pushing. And uh, I'm not that kind of person. And I, I hope that you aren't either because there are so many wonderful things in life that are still available to you. And when I think about you know what's next for us as a business and what's next for us as Mississippi State, I, I think we're about to undergo some really strong years in Mississippi State athletics. I mean, if, if I went out there right now and I polled the fan base and said, hey, how do you feel about the direction of Mississippi State men's basketball? You'd get an enthusiastic, oh, it's great. I love Christians, Right. Do you realize the roster that we had last year may and should prove to be the least talented one he ever has here in Starkville? I mean, honestly, think about that. I mean, he took kind of a hodgepodge of players and took us to the tournament in a year that a lot of people expected us to be one of the worst four teams in the league. It says a tremendous amount about his coaching ability and his ability to manage a roster and to kind of tailor his system around players. Yes, there is an expectation you have to live up to, but there's some give and take with coaches. Like, hey, this kid's not capable of doing this. Let's put him in a position to be successful. I think you'd say, you know what, Steve? Yeah, I feel really good about men's basketball. Probably the best I've felt about men's basketball since that fateful day in Hawaii, right? And you know what I'm talking about. It's been a long time since we've had this kind of feeling about Mississippi State men's basketball, and rightfully so. If I ask you what you expect on the women's side, you're like, Steve, look at the way Sam is recruiting. Look at what we did last year. And, again, I say this, probably the least talented roster that he'll have here at at Mississippi State. And that's not a slight at those ladies. He didn't recruit them. You know, and not to mention, we had some difficulties for a couple years, transitioning away from the Vic for years, as you guys are well aware. But you start thinking about that. I had a women's basketball piece. Hey, you know, we didn't even realize we love women's basketball, right? (laughs) Until Vic Schaefer said, hey, you guys uh, follow me. When you begin to think about, uh, you know, softball, you know, we've done some pretty cool things the last couple of years. You know, last year, obviously, we didn't end the way we wanted to. We hosted a Super Regional two years ago. Something that's never been done in the history of Mississippi State softball. And so, yeah, I think we have the right coach, right? Eager to see what they do this year. You, know, you think about baseball. You know, listen, there, opinions vary on this thing, for sure. But I know that we're Mississippi State baseball. And another Chris Amonis won an AFL championship. And the very first thing people say is, well, Stevie won it with somebody else's players. Well, no, not necessarily. I go back and I think about, you know, Houston Harding and Scotty DeBrule and Will Bednar. You yeah. know, and then, uh, you know, there's a lot to that. And so, yeah, every coach builds upon the foundation that was laid before them. Every coach, you know, you you think Larry Coker won, you know, in Miami just because of the fact that Larry was a great coach? I mean, you know, there's always stuff to this, you know. Uh, Yeah, am I hopeful about the season? Yes. Am I optimistic? Yeah. Am I confident? No, I'm not confident. I'm eager to see him in the fall. I do know that the league is not what it has been. I know that Arkansas is going to be really, really good. I know LSU is going to be good too. The rest of the league, I don't know. You know, we'll see. I'm eager to see what the schedules look like, too, right? But I know this. I know that uh, we have a mission in life, and that is to cover Mississippi State sports extensively. And uh, I I submit to you, I believe that we've done a better job of that than than anybody in the history of the university. But we're not satisfied with that. And, uh, yeah, we're going to be pushing forward. And uh, we're going to push the envelope. And we're going to do some things that uh, we've never done before to try to give you better coverage than than we've ever done and we're the industry leader when it comes to mississippi state sports every time i go somewhere to these national events and things like i have people tell hey, you guys are doing a better job than anybody and uh, there's a reason for that and uh, we still have a vision though it's important to understand we have a vision for the future for what's best for our business and what's best for the coverage of mississippi state sports and uh, the reality of it is is that uh, we're really just getting started and uh you know, I've got some very talented individuals that uh, we have brought on board since I took over and uh, very excited about their futures and really the direction of everything. And uh, there's some things, obviously, that uh, I can't talk about yet, but what we will. And uh, the reality of it is, though, is I'm very grateful uh, for each and every one of you and for all of you listening to our show. And if you hadn't considered subscribing to Gene's Page, I encourage you to do so. And I can't sit here and promise you we're going to call it Gene's Page forever. I mean, there's no Gene anymore, so it's kind of, you know, it's one of those things I think about. And so I'm, I'm open to those possibilities. I'm going to do what's best for the business. And we talked about Mississippi State branding. We're going to do what's best for our business. And uh, there are going to be times I'm going to make some decisions and maybe don't agree with them. And that's okay, too. But uh, I can assure you that they're always made with the best interest of the business in mind. And also, what I think is best for Mississippi State coverage. And so, uh, if you hadn't done so, I'm encouraging you to come over and be a subscriber of ours. In addition to that, if you hadn't bought a book yet, go to winthebottomfalls.com. You can pre-order the book, and all of my sports books are there. And you can find Stark Villains gear at starkvillains.com. We sold a lot of shirts over the years. Uh, I like that Stark Villain thing. Uh, matter of fact, I went and got a trademark on it. But uh, the reality of it is, is uh, I think it's super cool. A lot of people I will meet and I say, Steve, how can we support you? Well. You can subscribe to the websites, you can buy the books, you can buy the shirts, and you can continue to listen to the show and uh, share it whenever you can. For something good, be sure and share the show. Uh, I'm not out here chasing rankings or anything like that. I'm just trying to make sure we do a good job conveying the Mississippi State uh, message in many respects to you uh, as I see it. And uh, yeah, I've talked myself with some trouble on this show a couple times before and gotten phone calls. Hey, why would you say that? Because that's what I believe. That's what I know to be true. And so sometimes that makes people uncomfortable, and I'm going to continue to do that. And they're they're often fans from other universities that listen to this show as they get ready for their team to play us in football or baseball. And so I appreciate them, and I appreciate uh, you listening and being a part of this uh, wild circus that I call life. Uh, But again, I'm so incredibly appreciative of each of you, whether you be a subscriber to the website or not, or maybe you're not a reader, you don't buy books, and i get it i don't like it but i get it Uh, but i appreciate you being a part of this thing uh, more so than i can ever say but until next time let's all live our lives in a way we make more friends than enemies and people can see a difference in the way we live